0: Good morning, I'm Stephen. I'm the pastor here and um, on the brink of the new year, we were talking through what's the best way for us to do something a little bit different, a little special, and, uh, and we're going to use the majority of this time for a time of sharing. And so uh, Mike is going to lead us in that after I just say a few brief words about a passage. Um, I want to give you, I was thinking through this Uh, And I was sort of asking, this is kind of what I do sometimes, like Jesus, what do you have to say about end of the year, beginning of a new year kind of things? Where in the Bible do you talk about that or do you show us how you would feel uh, and how we should think, you know, and I don't know if you ever do this, but I I think about this and I start thinking through what I know about the Bible and I just came down to Revelation two and three. Uh, there's a place there where Jesus comes to the seven churches that are in a particular region of the world, and he speaks to those churches, and it's kind of a looking back and evaluation period for these churches, and I thought, hey, this would be great, uh, and so this is going to give you an example of how Jesus sees the church, how Jesus sees his church, um, and uh, The verses that we're going to be looking at are in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. This is just one of the seven churches that Jesus uh, looks at and evaluates and and speaks to. The verses are in your bulletin. They're also going to be up on the screen. We're going to walk through these verses um, just for a few minutes briefly before Mike then comes up, and he's going to lead us in a special time of sharing. And so I'm going to read some, talk some, read some, talk some. We'll just go back and forth like that, probably just for about five to seven minutes, and then we'll get into a time of sharing. So so join me uh, in your bulletin or up on the screens, and let's look at Revelation 2. We're going to start with verse 1. It says this, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. And so this is a message to the church. The message that goes to the church, um, and Jesus is the one who's holding the seven stars in his right hand. Jesus is the one who's walking among the seven golden lampstands. And the seven lampstands are actually the churches. Okay, these are the churches. The book of Revelation is an incredibly highly symbolic book that's filled with all kinds. Of, it's, it's almost like watching someone else's dream in some ways. You know, how dreams sort of come at you and sort of come in waves and, and things like that. Well, so the lampstands are the churches. And what this verse means, what you need to get from this verse, is that Jesus is walking among the churches. So what does this mean? This means that he is with us in the church. So we are gathered here together as a family. Jesus is with us in every place that we gather. And even when we are on our own, because we're part of his family, the church, Jesus is with us. Um, And so when you think about last year, um, he is with us in everything in this last year and in the year to come. He's walking with us. He is present among us. You're not alone. You're not alone. Sometimes being here together with others helps us to be more aware and sort of believe that he's with us because we speak to each other in ways. Sometimes we love each other in ways that reflect Jesus. um, But even when we're by ourselves, Jesus is with us, and that's vital. And so he's the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. And then this is what he says, verse 2. He says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. So Jesus starts this verse by saying, I know your works. And so he isn't just walking among us, but he sees us. So Jesus sees you. He sees you in all that you do. And his first word to us is a word of encouragement and affirmation. This is how Jesus starts. He says, I see your toil and your patient endurance. Verse three, he says, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake. And you've not grown weary. Friends, this is good news. This is good news because Jesus sees you when life is hard. You have to know this. Because when life is difficult, we feel sometimes like we're alone. When life is difficult, we feel like sometimes no one cares. And this verse, these two verses are telling us that every time it's difficult, he sees it. Every time you have to forgive someone else, he sees you doing that. Every time you have to confess your sin and try again, and the toil it takes, the endurance it takes, the patience that it takes, every time you're in a relationship that's disappointing and it's difficult to do what Jesus wants, he sees it. He sees it. Jesus is not, he doesn't think that life is easy. He doesn't think that that if it's difficult, you're doing it wrong. It's quite the opposite. So every time you agree with Jesus that his ways are best, every time that following him takes work and effort and self-discipline and struggle, he sees it. Every time following Jesus takes patience and endurance he sees it. So when you do these things, you are the light of the seven stars. Every time in this past year when you have done that, Jesus has seen it and you are his lampstand lighting the world. You're not alone. He sees you. And so this is this is a this is a radical encouragement and affirmation of radical love, right? This is Jesus acknowledging that there are times when to forgive is incredibly difficult. To be reconciled is incredibly difficult. Sometimes it's not easy to love, right? Sometimes it's not easy to be committed to Jesus, right? And so Jesus is calling us By this by this affirmation, Um, I've heard somebody say what gets rewarded gets repeated. And Jesus affirms the good things that we do. He sees them. Um, There are some people who, because they want to emphasize that our salvation is completely about what Jesus does, they sort of make it kind of irrelevant anything that we do, because Jesus already lived a perfect life for us, so we don't have to. And, And that's not what these verses say. These verses say that what we do matters. And that every time you make the sacrifice, every time you make the effort to love and to care, to forgive and to reconcile, Jesus sees you and he says, I know, I know what you're doing. I see what you're doing and I'm with you. I'm with you. So it's a call to love. It's also a call to truth. Um, Verse two says, you can't bear with the false teaching of those who are evil. And so what we see here is just that love and truth go hand in hand. Um, And so this is how it is um, with Jesus. You can't have love without truth. You can't have truth without love. And so so we see this here. And we also see this even in how Jesus then comes to us, not with what's positive, but with what's negative. Like, let's look at verse 4. He says, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. And so Jesus does see and affirm the good that he sees in us, but he's also willing to tell the truth. He's willing to come to us and say the hard things. He says, uh, there's another translation, just says you've abandoned your first love. And you've abandoned your first love. And I, I like the way that Jesus says this. Um, He doesn't name specific sins here, and there there are times when that's appropriate. There's a time when that's necessary for someone to be confronted with the specific sins that they are committing. Um, But I feel like what he's doing in this passage is he's classifying all sin in terms of love. Uh, And what he's saying here is that that's what sin is. Sin is either loving things that Jesus doesn't love Or loving things that Jesus loves, but loving them more than you love Jesus. And so this is his straightforward, he's confronting now. Hey, look, I've seen your good works. I've seen the things that you've done. I've seen the effort and the toil and the labor and the endurance and the patience. But let's talk about this. There are things that you are loving that aren't from me. And there are things that you're loving that are coming before me. And I think he's confronting the church in Ephesus because they're guilty of this. For our church, this should be a warning to us that we're capable of the same thing. We're capable of loving things that we shouldn't love. And we're capable of loving things more than we love Jesus. And so... What's the response? Well, verse 5 tells us that after Jesus confronts, he gives us a way forward. He doesn't just condemn us to make us feel bad. He, can, he, he confronts us to set us free, to set us free. So verse 5, he says, "'Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent.'" He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so what's the solution from Jesus? Come back. If your heart has led you to love things that draw you away from him, come back. Come back. That's what repent means. It means turn the direction of your life back toward Jesus. Remember what your life was like when you were in the center of his love? Do you remember what life was like when you had this sense of assurance that Jesus was first and in some ways nothing else mattered? Remember the peace that that gave you? Come back to that. Come back to that. Um, And Jesus ends with this encouragement, this sort of motivation. He says, um, to the one who conquers... I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And so Jesus says, to those who conquer, to the one who conquers. Um, And conquering, in this case, means patient endurance, means hard work and effort to follow Jesus. And when we fail, it means to own it and come back. It's not super complicated. In fact, the people, the men and the women that Jesus wants to fill the world with are people who can hear and receive both of these messages, who are working hard, they're putting him first, they're striving by his power and grace inside of them to follow him. And then when they don't, they turn and come back. Jesus doesn't want to fill the world with people who have their act together, Jesus wants to fill the world with people who know what it's like to be forgiven, who know what it's like to come back, who are very clear in their own life, in their own experience, of what it's like to live far apart from him and to come back. In some ways, for Jesus, the way to conquer is to walk the road that leads back to him. Because that's the road that we want to offer to the world. And if for those who do this, who those who conquer through living by faith in Jesus, confessing their sins and striving to follow him, for those who do that, you will inherit everything. You will inherit a brand new world. Jesus will give to you the opportunity to eat from the tree of life. The tree of life shows up at the very beginning of the Bible in the Garden of Eden, and it shows up at the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, at the end of this book, where you see this is the Garden of God, and Jesus will nourish your soul forever. He will meet your needs. He will take care of you in the paradise of God. And when we do this, when we live this way, we conquer, again, by putting him first. We conquer by coming back when we fail. And when we do those things, we again, we become stars and we become the light of the world. If you, if you can hear me today, respond. If you can hear me today, come back. If you can hear me today, remember that Jesus is or ought to be your first love and come back to that first love and follow him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Um, thank you for coming to us and for speaking truth in love. Jesus, we come and especially as we, as we look back over this last year, there are indications um, for many of us where we've been close with you and also places where we haven't, where we've left you as our first love. And so we want to come back. And there are some here who have never walked close with you in their life, or it's been a long time since they've been close with you. And we pray that you would come and touch each one of our hearts and lead us back to you. Help us to confess what a great time for us to turn over uh, the direction of our life into your hands, um, to become stars and a light that can shine in this world, a a light of your love, a light of your grace and forgiveness. And Lord, now as we, as we have a time of sharing, we pray that you would lead us to rejoice in what you've done, to affirm in each other your work, um, and then to call ourselves back to you. So draw near to us now, we pray in your name. Amen.